Last week, I forgot to tell, I had Sonny say, you know what, I had to Google what going yard meant. And Sheila turned to me and she said, see, I told you. So, for, the, for those of you who don't know what going yard, how many know what going yard is? You do now. Going yard, I learned this whenever Zach was in, uh, my son Zach was in Little League. And uh, when you hit it out of the park, when you actually hit a, hit a out of the park home run, because it's out of the ball yard, you go yard. Yeah, so it's like, it's like, man, dad, I went yard today. You know, of course, it was a very small field, but, but he was, you know, he was pumped. But that's what going yard. And so if you go yard in love and marriage, it's like hitting that home run. How many, how many have ever played ball and hit the home run? Okay, all right. Some of you never played ball. Never, never, I, I sort of started to go there last week, but Christmas. How many of you try to go yard when it comes to Christmas? You know, you want to buy that perfect gift and you want to knock it out of the park. And you know, man, I, I know. I, I'm married to a wife who, who tries to go yard with every present. And, and it's like, you can't do that. But she tries and she, and she does a good job. But that's going yard. So when you go yard in love and marriage, it's when you hit, when you hit that out of the park home run. So I needed to get that out of the, out of the way, right? And everybody knows now. Uh, I don't know where this is actually going to go tonight, which is going to worry Sheila right now because... I woke up last night, tossed and turned. But this thing has changed a gazillion times just today. But uh, I want, how many like truth? And most everybody says, yeah, I like truth. As long as it matches up with your truth, right? Because where you don't like truth is whenever it actually runs up against something that, that's, that's not what you think. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, uh, this is my prayer, that tonight is tr- it, what comes out is truth. But I'm, I'm pretty sure it will be because it's, it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with what the Word says, and the Word is truth. Whether, you, whether it lines up with what you want it to line up, it doesn't matter because it is what it is. But last week we had some fun, and, uh, you know, for me, if you, can't, if you can't have fun and laugh at it, I mean, that's just me. It's like, what's the point? You know, and I think you learn better. Whenever you're actually having fun, laughter is a, I really believe laughter is a gift from God because laughter is actually a form of communication. You know, you don't even have to speak the same language and you can see the same thing and, and laugh with somebody and you're actually, you actually have a shared moment and there's a connection when you're laughing with somebody. I think it's important. I think it's important when you learn. I think it's important in church. I think we ought to laugh in church. And some of the messages that Pastor Chad's been speaking on, the, the core values, Look at those core values. Every one of those core values you can overlay on top of a marriage. Every single one of them. Because the core values of Christianity are the same core values in marriage. And he's been talking about doing life together, right? Do, when you do life together, a big key ingredient of doing life together is, is having fun and laughing together. Because when you laugh with somebody, when you, when you have a shared experience, we talked about remembering here. When you have a memory that's tied with laughter... That's a good memory, and, and, it, and it hangs in there, and it creates a thread, okay? And so in a marriage, if you actually have shared memories with laughter, and, and both of you have that same memory, you, have a, you, have a, you, you start building threads that, that bind you, and it becomes the fabric of who you are. And so it's just like with me and Sheila. If you would say, well, what would your life be without Sheila? I don't know, because... I don't have a life without Sheila because I don't have my life. I have our life. And, and, and a lot of the, our, our entire life is crisscrossed over so much of each other. You can't tell where one stops and the other begins because we have so many shared memories. And so and I got to thinking about, okay, what the, the memories that we have that were fun which, which we have, I mean, let's face it. We've had a lot of memories. We have good ones. We have bad ones. We have cries. We have, we have laughter. I got to thinking about laughter memories, and there's some of them you can't hear. <laughs> and Sheila says, yes. <laughs> and she's really starting to sweat now. Because, because honestly, there's some of them that are just, they're just private stuff between, we, we get, and honestly, even if I told you, you still wouldn't get it because you had to be there, right? You know what I'm saying? But I got to thinking about that, and, and, and one memory came, you're going to, yeah, it's okay. One memory came. One memory came to mind is when we were we were 
like I say, when we were fairly, when we first got married, we had nothing. Okay, we we had furniture that was borrowed from my brother, a TV that was borrowed from my sister, an apartment that her parents owned, and I had no job. We was like two ticks and no dog. Okay, <laughs> we had nothing. We, but, but I'll tell you what, within three years, we had something. We had two kids. <laughs> and I had a job. That's about the only thing that changed, because we still didn't have any money. And we lived out, we, went, we rented a house out in the middle of nowhere, and so we have these kids, and, and, and we got any, don't have any money, and we have to, honestly, we, we were kids ourselves, and so we had to create fun. And, and one of the things we used to do was after the kids would go to bed, we play hide and seek. Now, that doesn't sound like that's okay. Doesn't it? No, no, we actually hide and sneak because you didn't have to stay put. You could move around. And this old house, if you turned off all the lights, the security light would shine in the house, and you have a just enough room to, or not light to negotiate. And if you if you if you scooched up in a corner, you know you couldn't really see. And if if you wore black, you really couldn't see, you know. And, and you could move. So if, if somebody came around and searched this corner out and you weren't there, but you saw them, as, that, as they left the room, you could move into that corner. See? And, then, and so when you play hide and sneak in this house, it was a chore to find somebody, especially in the dark. Well, it was her turn to hide. And I'm hunting. I'm hunting this girl all over the place. I'm hunting. And, and I finally, I've looked everywhere. And, and in the corner, we had a card table with a blanket over the top of it that the kids used to use for a playhouse, right? They would crawl under there. And I'd already searched under that table, and I knew she wasn't there. But I'm thinking, okay, she's moved on me. And so I came back again, and I stand in front of it, and I bend down, and my knees crack when I bend down. I think she's there. She's under there. She knows I'm there because she just heard my knees crack. And so I'm, I'm really quiet. I'm listening for anything. And she's breathing really shallow. And she'll tell you, she had spit running out of her mouth <laughs> because she didn't want to swallow because it made a noise. <laughs> and so she's underneath this table and she can't see in the dark anyhow, so I don't know. I mean, this she's at a disadvantage. She's, she's underneath this table, knowing that I'm out there, and I'm pretty sure she's in there. And I reach my hand under, under, and then I grab, right? Because I figure she's probably, boy, I did, too. That, that, she came straight up that table, you know, and the blanket, and she screamed. And I don't know if the kids woke up or not, but it was, it was fun. Right? That's been over 30 years ago. That's a shared memory that we have, and we can still talk about this thing. Look at the girls. She's, she's got, yeah. <laughs> because, because it's something that we shared, and it's a memory tied with laughter, and we had fun, and it's, it's a bond. And you have to have those things. In marriage, I think laughter is hugely important because you better have some of those threads for whenever the storms come. Because if, if you don't have any threads to go back, and, and, and you're going to be just floating out there by yourself. And Satan, Satan is, we all know he's a liar. And I, I showed you last week how he'll want to get inside your head. He'll turn your head, and he will tell you a lie. And one of the lies that he likes, to, everybody thinks Satan's got this massive snap-on toolbox full of tools. Satan's got this little bitty thing he carries around. It's got a hammer, crescent wrench, a pair of pliers and some baling wire. That's all he needs. Because the same stuff that has always worked for the centuries is still working. He doesn't need a lot of stuff to, to deal with people. And one of the lies he will always tell is that he'll wait for the opportune time. I don't think they really love you. I don't, I don't, I don't know. No, they don't. Obviously they don't love you or they wouldn't have. And he'll rattle off a list right there. And before long, if, you, if you're looking over here, you're going to say, you know, I don't think so. He says, you know what? Why are you even worried? Why, why are you even trying? If they don't love you, what's the point of loving them back? You know, and that's the lie he will tell you. And you better have a thread because truth, you have to stand on truth. There's the, what is this? I think it's a Philippians, Philippians 4.8. I don't know if we've got that on there, David, or not, because I, I changed things around. Philippians 4.8 says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, 
If anything is excellent, praiseworthy, think about such things. How many times have you sat down and actually said, hmm, whenever I'm not feeling it today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find something that's admirable about my spouse. And I'm going to think about that. What is praise? I'm going to find something that I can praise about my spouse. And that's what I'm going to think about today because I've got this other thing going over my head that I know he lies, but I'm going to find some, some truth that I can actually think on. Because he says, you need to think on these things. But so many times we feed the lie. And it's kind of where we, we, we sort of ended up here last time. And, and I wasn't going to go back here. And this is where I, I kept getting drawn back. So I don't know if it's specifically for somebody or why, but it just, it just, I just kept coming back. I said, I don't want to go there. You're going to go there. All right. For men, for men, this is what we said. Love is interpreted as respect. Okay. So she appreciates me as a protector, provider, leader. When a wife, when a wife is routinely critical, her words and actions are interpreted as, I don't love you. Now, that may not be the case. It may not be what you're thinking, but that may be what he's hearing. I don't love you. When a, when a husband, well, for, for women, most women, love is interpreted as a, as a high degree of emotional intimacy. Okay, he actually is into me. He actually does care. He actually cares about what, you know, what's going on in my life. So when a husband shuts his wife out and doesn't express an interest in, 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 in her, his lack of words, you know, one word answers to heartfelt questions. Yeah, no, maybe, you know. What, he's, what, what she's hearing is, is, is that lack of attention there is, is I don't love you. That's, I mean, it may not be what you're meaning, but that's what's being heard. Because men hear criticism as contempt. Men hear, or women feel, hear, feel silence as hostility. Now, this is, this is where we're going to go here. This is a little, what does respect look like to a man? Ladies, have you ever asked your husband, what does, okay, the, the guy on the stage says, I'm supposed to be respecting you. Have you ever, honestly, go home and ask your husband, what does respect look like to you? Ask him that question. What exactly does it look like? And then ask him, have you ever felt routinely disrespected by me? I mean, that's a, that's a, it's a fair question. You know, do I make you feel disrespected on a regular basis? And, and don't, don't be ready with a defense if he gives you an answer. Okay, because it's not a, you want to know, you want to know what's going on. Don't be so, well, but if, no, 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 no. If he, if you ask him and he has an answer, listen to the answer. Now, the interesting word, the word respect. If you look up respect, if you go to King James, it's reverence. Okay. It's the same word that's used. It's the same, the, the, that word in the Greek, which is called phobio, which is where we get the word phobia, is the same word that's used, fear the Lord. But it's not politically correct to say, wives, fear your husbands. Doesn't really make good sense. You don't want your wife to fear, fear the way you think of fear. I bring props. We're not gun enthusiasts, as you can tell. But we do have some guns at home as far as protection because that's this gun, a gun is used for protection, it's used for security, it's used to have around the house in case you, know, you want, if you have an intruder, you want something to be between you and it. Your husband was designed, his, one of his roles is to be the protector, be, the, be the, your security, ladies. Now, if I have a loaded gun and I sit here and I start twirling like Barney Fife and throwing around and looking in it like that. and what, You're going to say, that man is nuts, right? What are you doing? That's a loaded gun. And I, yeah, well, it's no big deal. <laughs> Oops, it went off. Okay? And when, when a, what happens when a, when a loaded gun goes off unintended? What happens? Somebody's going to get hurt. Or something's going to get destroyed, right? You're either going to shoot a hole in something or shoot a hole in somebody. That's what's happening. I want you to think of this, and this, this is, I, I really believe that's the word, the fear, fear, respect, reverence, is your husband, we use this example with couples a lot, 
is your husband is like a loaded gun. Now, hang with me. Because he's there for, he's built in such a way that he, he craves respect and he's your security and he's your protect. He wants to be your security. He wants to be your protector. And if you mishandle a loaded gun, at some point in time, that thing's going to go off. You're either going to shoot yourself in your foot, you may shoot yourself in your marriage. Because somebody's going to get hurt when it happens. And if you do this on a regular basis, you're pulling that trigger on a regular basis. There's just bullets flying everywhere. And at some point in time, like all, all guys are going to handle it the same way. Some guy may walk out. Some guy may put a fist to the drive. Well, I don't know. I'm not saying it's right. I'm saying there's a way. There, ladies, there, there's a, the word says that you're supposed to handle your husband with respect. It's not my words. It's, it's, it's there. They actually said fear, you know, but it's there. But now, man, I, I'm not stupid enough to know that this door only swings one way. Okay. You, what's good for the goose is good for the gander here. But the Bible said is, is specifically talking to wives here because that's an area that's important for them. But it goes on to say husbands, husbands. Love your wives. Now, what does love look like to your wife? Have you asked her? Have you asked her? Okay. Do I routinely make you feel unloved? Are my actions that I do on a regular basis, do you feel like, you know, are you hearing love or are you, are you not hearing it so much? Once again, don't, don't get into defensive when she gives you a list. Okay, because she, she, may, have been, she may have been holding this one for a while. But you got to hear it. But the word, the word for love is, is agapio. And it's, it's a, it's, I think I said it last week. It's a verb. It's an action verb. Not only, it's, not only is it an action verb, it's an ongoing action verb, which means I did love you, I do love you, I will love you. It just, it's a continual action. And, and, it, and it goes into action. You have to be doing something. The big four don't count. I mean, really. Okay, do you love your wife? Oh, yeah, I love that woman. After all, I married her, didn't I? Oh, well, you lucky woman, you know? <laughs> well, I got, her, I got her something for Christmas, and I bought her something on her anniversary. Yesterday, I gave her, gave her flowers. Okay, well, four, you got the big four covered. Christmas, anniversary, birthday, and, and, and Valentine's Day. What happens if you go to work and they pay you four days out of the year? I mean, really. She, she deserves more than just... Four, t- four days or, or, or the obligatory times that you're supposed to do this. You have to actually love her in a, in a way that's an ongoing action. And, and you're going to have to hunt for it. Honestly, they, what was it? It's been a couple weeks ago. And you have, to te- honestly, you have to tell each other whenever you hit the mark. It was uh, a few weeks ago. Sheila loves a clean car, but it's been too cold. You know, and so I actually took the car. And went to town, washed it, washed it all down, and came back. And, and I came in, and, and that, honestly, I couldn't buy roses that would have the same effect. And, and, she, and I walked in, and she said, oh, I feel so loved right now. You know? Because that's, that, that was what it said. It says, I love you. You have to find, you know, your wife may not, the car may not be a big deal for her, but I bet you there's something that is. And you have to actually go looking for what is it that's going, whenever I do this, she's going to hear, she's going to hear that I love her. So are you frequently, guys, are you frequently making promises that you don't keep? There's a Proverbs, Proverbs 25, 14. It says, like clouds with wind and no rain is a man who makes boast that he does not keep. I don't know if you've ever been through a dry spell and you see a cloud on the horizon, you think, oh, yes, we're going to get rain, and then it just goes on, and you, you're just, oh. there's a lot of wives out there that are just, oh, man, he said he was going to, but it didn't happen again. Okay, I know. I, I know because there's one sitting right over here because there's, there's, we all do it. Okay, yeah, we'll do this whenever the weather gets pretty, and then the weather gets pretty and you never do it. You know, something else happens, and, and she's hoping, she's hoping, 
And it just doesn't happen. So, but if you do this on a regular basis to the degree that you don't even, I mean, it's not even on your radar ever, ever. Even though you love your wife, what you're, what you're telling her, what she's hearing is he doesn't love me. And so when Satan gets in her head and says, yeah, well, you know, I don't think he loves you. You know, I don't think he does either. And you got to, you got to be, pay really close attention to the voices in your head and, and, Stand on some truth there, which is why I like laughter threads, because you can, you can take a thread and follow it back. This may be how men and women hear love, but that's not actually love. Okay, we've been talking a lot about how we hear love, what we feel love. Love isn't a feeling because, because feelings are subject to change. Okay, and, I, and if I say, Sheila, I love you today, and then tomorrow she does something, well, I'm not feeling it, so I've apparently I don't love her today. And then, there's no security in anything like that. And you can't have a marriage based on no security. I think it's in your, you may have a place in your notes there, love. Love is first and foremost. It's a choice followed by a commitment and expressed in an action. You choose, you commit, and you follow it in an action. When it comes to marriage, you choose your mate, you chose them, you commit your life to them, and then, then the rest of it goes into action. What are you doing? Because both sides, love, male and female, what are you doing? What are you actually doing to live out your love? Because you have to live it out. As a Christian, as a Christian, we're supposed to be, I mean, let's face it, the Bible's full of what we are Christians are supposed to love. And you know what? It's amazing to me how many people can come in here on a Sunday and a Wednesday and they love everybody else. But they go home and it's not so much there. You know, it's easy to love somebody you only see twice a week. <laughs> I, I, we, had a, we, got some, we got a friend, I got a buddy down in Harrisburg and he said, oh man, you know what I love her. I'd die for that woman. I said, man, Paul, dying's easy. You only got to do that one time. <laughs> Try doing it daily, you know, every day, you know. And so, but, uh, but yeah, in marriage, especially in marriage, you should be living your Christianity out as far as it relates to love. James 2.17 said, faith, faith without deeds or faith without actions is dead. We, we actually taught one time, we taught James as a, you can take the entire book of James and teach it as a marriage manual. Yeah, go home and read James like it's a marriage manual and see what, see what you get out of that one. And take faith and, and put love in there. Love without actions is dead. Because if you, if you have love and you have no actions, can you really call that one love? I mean, is it really love when you don't do anything other than say the word? Does saying the word make love so? No. It, I, love will always do what is best for the object of one's love. And, and giving love, I mean, giving real love is like swinging for the fence in baseball. If you've ever played baseball at all, you know, you have to choose your pitch because you're sitting there and you're looking for the right pitch. You look, honestly, you don't want that high fastball because you can't hit that thing. You want that one that's coming. You choose your pitch, and when you know that's the pitch, that is the one. I can see it. You got to, you got to, you, you caught back here. You commit to the swing because it's not a, you can't go yard with a check swing. All right? You're going to have to commit that swing, and you have to follow through. All right? So you choose, you commit, and you have an action. And when you do it right, you go yard. Now, does everybody make a home run every time they step up the plate? No, they don't. But I guarantee you, you're not going to make a home run if you never swing either. So when you're in marriage, you're going to have every day, you've got to step up the plate, you've got to crank back, you've got to choose that pitch, and you've got to hit it again. You know, because that's love. You choose, you commit, you follow through. What is it that I can do what can I do today for my wife that she's going to hear, he loves me? What is it, ladies, that you could, what is it that you could say? Your words, your words are powerful. There's a, 
Gosh, I, I, I've got a head full of stains. A sharp tongue will soon cut its own throat. You know? And your words, your words have such tremendous power with your husband. We, we were talking, oh gosh, this, we talk to couples all the time. Ladies, you know how whenever your kid brings home a handmade valentine, we got one in the mail from Michaela the other day. But you know how you get a handmade valentine from your, from your, from your precious little one, and you just, or you put it on the fridge and you keep it, and you always just, oh, yes, I'm keeping this one, I'm going to put it in the box, I'm keeping it forever, right? How many, how many ladies have a box full of that stuff? Yeah, a bunch of you, okay? Did you know your, your husbands do that with your words? Now, see, so you, you don't know, because guys don't talk about this. But they do. I actually talked to a fellow, it's been a couple years ago, and he was talking about, we were actually talking about this whole respect thing, and he was talking about whenever they had some friends that, that the, their basement flooded, and they were needing to shut the power off before it got up into the, into the breaker box. And the breaker box was downstairs. And they needed to go down there, and they, they, he wasn't going to pull the meter. So he, so he, he, wiped, he walked on, down into the basement, opened up the box, you know, and shut it off. And now... Honestly, that's, it's not as unsafe as it sounds. <laughs> but, it's, it's, but it looks impressive if you don't know anything. And so, so he comes back up and his wife says, Oh my goodness, you're my hero. I never would have been able to do that. You're so brave. Yeah, that was like 40 years ago. The man still remembers that night. That's, that's his little box of, of words because his wife told him that she thought he was her hero. Okay, me too. We, I, I had an Audi just being, gosh, she, I mean, Sheila does this all the time. She makes a regular habit. One that sticks in my mind is well, I had an Audi one night. I mean, it was thundering, it was lightning, crashing down, pouring down rain. Midnight, the phone rings. Hey, we're out of power. Okay, so I get up. And we had just, we had just crawled in bed, and I'm crawling back out. And as I'm getting dressed, she looks and she says, I don't know how you do this. I said, how do I do what? She said, how do you get up and go out there in weather like this and work? You know, I mean, it's, I don't know how you would do that. I, I'm, just, I'm just so thankful you can do that. I'm impressed. You know, I'm, I'm well, honey, it's my job. But as I'm going to the truck, it's like, yeah. <laughs> that woman loves me. <laughs> okay? That's been like 10, 12 years ago. I still remember that night. You know, we collect, we collect your words in our mind. You don't know that. I mean, honestly, because we, we don't normally talk about this. I'm one of those rare guys that actually gets a chance to say that. But your husbands collect your words, both good and bad. I think the, what was it? It's, 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 it's words are like po- uh, words. Words are life. Words are death. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. That's a proverb. Something. I don't know which one it is. You choose. You have the choice to choose that one. So that, that's love. Love is a choice. Commitment, action. But the, I, I've got, how much time have I got here? I've got to hurry. How much time i got? The next question is marriage, okay? Because we go in yard with love and marriage. What, it, what, I mean, really, what is marriage for? And why is marriage so closely connected with love and Christianity? Because marriage is basically, in, in its purest form, marriage is just... Two people, right? And you, you, we have all known couples who are married that don't love each other. And we've all known couples who are married that aren't Christians. So, I mean, how's marriage connected that way? Well, the, number one, God designed it, you know. He designed it specifically. But he's, I've, got a, I've got a multi-tool. I don't know which kid got it for me. One, I, one, one of the kids got it for me for Christmas one time. It's got a, oh, where is that thing? It's got a thing in here that I, it just looks nasty is what it looks like. There's a saw. Where is it? I think it's on this side. Yes. That thing right there is just wicked. I don't know what you... It's a, it must be a leather awl, but it looks like a nasty toothpick. But it's got, it's got that. It's got knives. It's got, a, it's got a Phillips screwdriver, regular screwdriver, can opener. But the most obvious thing it is, is a pair of needle nose pliers, right? I mean, you can see that one. You know what that is. These other things, you've got to dig them out. But this is a pair of needle-nose pliers. And marriage, to me, marriage is a whole lot like a multi-tool. It has a lot of functions. When you get married, 
When you get married, you can combat loneliness with marriage. You can multiply your effectiveness and productivity. I mean, you can actually do more with somebody, you know, getting things done. Uh, you, can have, you can have kids. You know, you have, you got, you got an extended family. You can have friends with benefits. It's always a plus. All right? But the most important function of a marriage, the most important function, if you're teachable, is marriage is what creates the environment where you can learn how to truly love. It, it creates the environment. It doesn't get the job done, but it puts the thing in place that you can do this. Now, it's interesting. The word house in the Bible, if you go to, if you go to the Old Testament, there's a, there's a word like, uh, uh, there was one where uh, a, wise woman, a wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears hers down. Okay, the word house, if you look it up in the Hebrew, uh, I've got it written down in there somewhere, means family. It's what, I mean, if you look it up, it's, that the main meaning for that word is family. So the wise woman builds her family. Now, if you go to the Greek, it's all over the place. This particular verse, a wise man who built his house upon the rock, right? You know what that word house means? Family. A wise man who built his family upon the rock. You know, the storms came, the winds blew, but the house still stood. And the foolish man built his, own, built his house. The, the word house. Actually, the word house is, is uh, okia, and it means family. And the structure that is supposed to house our family is marriage. That's, that's, where, that's the structure that's supposed to, you're supposed to have your family within is, is the marriage because God created it that way. Now, granted, I'm not... I'm not here to jump on anybody. If you've, if, if you've got, maybe you don't have the traditional family. I'm just saying this is how God started it out. This, is, this was the best way to do it. He, he said, this is, the, this is the way I want to see it done. All right? And so you have this family. Marriage and family, because with marriage and family, it provides a classroom where you can learn the lessons on how to love somebody else unconditionally. Unconditionally. Because how many know it's, 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 you can love, you can love, honestly, you can love somebody if, if you don't, like say, you see them twice a week, you don't hardly know them, you can do loving things towards them. It's the people that you live with that drive you nuts. Those are the people that is hard to love unconditionally because you put, start putting conditions on your love. Well, if they do this, then I'll do this. Okay? Well, once they do this, then I'll go ahead and do this, right? Okay, let's get real. It's hard to live with family sometimes, right? Well, maybe your family, but, but sometimes it's hard to live with our family. I love that woman, and she loves me, but let me tell you what. We can drive each other bonkers because we are so opposite in how we view life. When we do house projects together, there's always – we built a fireplace in our backyard a couple years ago, and uh, we, we had to build them out of Menards blocks, the 30 pounds apiece. And so I start putting this thing. I said, what, is, what do you want it to look like? I don't know. I'll know it when I see it. <laughs> yeah, but that means you've got to stack it up. No, I don't like that. Okay, take it down. Okay, well, try this. And you stack it up. Give me a picture. I don't have a picture. I'll know it when I see it. Okay, you stack it up. Yeah, I like that. You still got to take it down because now you've got to glue it and mortar it back together. See? So, I mean, you had it right. Now you got to take it apart and, and make sure you put it back right again. And so that was a long summer for us because there was a, there was a lot of aggro. There was one time I climbed down off the scaffolding because she had said something. I climbed down off the scaffolding. She says, what's wrong? I said, don't say anything. And I'm not going to say anything because I say something, I'm going to say something I don't want to say. So I'm just going to sit here for a minute. <laughs> And she said, okay. And she got up and she actually went and got me something to drink and waited a while. Looked out the window. And once, she saw the, once she saw the wrinkles come out of my forehead, then she came back out, you know. <laughs> that may not be your marriage, but that's ours, okay. And we've learned, but, but we still, we have a thread. <laughs> we have a thread and we laugh about it now, which is good because, because we can. Because I, here's the thing. I know that woman loves me even on my worst days. And she knows I love her even on her worst days. Even though sometimes we don't, what's the word I'm looking for here? Project it, okay? But sometimes it's hard to love your family. 
But when you do this right, when you actually do marriage right, you will actually get a glimpse of how Jesus loves us. Cue that clip up. We're going to show you, the, the, we got fireproof clip. And then if, you, if you haven't seen the movie or it's been a while, Caleb is this fireman and he and his wife are going through some trouble. And he's out talking with his dad. Okay? And uh, his dad's actually trying to say, okay, what's going on here? And he said, well, we're having all this trouble and it's not my fault, it's her fault. Essentially, have you got that clip queued up? And maybe not. But anyhow, what you're going to see here, what you're going to see here is Caleb actually walking through his frustration. Caleb's not saved. He does not know the Lord. His dad does. And his dad is trying to actually get him, get him to where he can actually see who he is and who the Lord is and, and, and his need for all of that. It'd be clip number two, I think. If you don't have it, let me know. Okay. When I realized who I was and who he was, I realized my need for him. I needed his forgiveness and salvation. See, I, I don't understand that. Why do I need his salvation? What, am I going to be thrown into hell? For what? Because I got divorced? No. Because you violated his standards. What? Thou shall not kill? Dad, I help people. I am a good person. According to you. But God doesn't judge by your standards. He uses his. And what are his? Well, truth. Okay. Love. I'm honest. Faithfulness. I care about people. I am those things. Sometimes. But have you loved God, the one who gave you life? His standards are so high, he considers hatred to be murder and lust to be adultery. Dad, what about all the good I've done? Son. Saving someone from a fire does not make you right with God. You've broken His commandments. And one day you'll answer to Him for that. <sighs> Caleb, if I were to ask you why you're so frustrated with Catherine, what would you say? She's stubborn. She makes everything difficult for me. She's ungrateful. She's constantly griping about something. Has she thanked you for anything you've done the last 20 days? No! And you'd think after I washed the car, I changed the oil, do the dishes, clean the house, that she would try to show me a little bit of gratitude. But she doesn't. In fact, when I come home, she makes me feel like I'm, like I'm an enemy. I'm not even welcome in my own home, Dad. That is what really ticks me off. Dad, for the last three weeks, I have been over backwards for her. I have tried to demonstrate that I still care about this relationship. I bought her flowers, which she threw away. I have taken her insults and her sarcasm, but last night was it. I made dinner for her. I did everything I could to demonstrate that I care about her, to show value for her, and she spat in my face. She does not deserve this, Dad. I am not doing it anymore. How am I supposed to show love to somebody over and over and over who constantly rejects me? That's a good question. Dad, that is not what I'm doing. Isn't it? Dad, that is not what this is about. Son, you just asked me. How can someone show love over and over again when they're constantly rejected? Caleb, the answer is, you can't love her because you can't give her what you don't have. I couldn't truly love your mother until I understood what love really was. It's not because I get some reward out of it. I've now made a decision to love your mother whether she deserves it or not. Son, God loves you even though you don't deserve it. 
even though you've rejected Him, spat in His face. God sent Jesus to die on the cross and take the punishment for your sin because He loves you. The cross was offensive to me until I came to it. But when I did, Jesus Christ changed my life. That's when I truly began to love your mom. Son, I can't settle this for you. This is between you and the Lord. But I love you too much not to tell you the truth. Can't you see that you need Him? Can't you see that you need His forgiveness? You trust Him with your life. That's one of those things, if you get it, you get it, and if you don't, you're kind of like scratching your head, but, but it's so true. You cannot, I think he said, you can't give what you don't have, okay? If you don't, you can't give me 10 bucks if you don't have 10 bucks in your pocket, Sonny, unless you want to go rob somebody, you know? And so you can't actually give real love if you've never received real love. And you can't, re you can't have real love unless Jesus gives that to you because that's the only place that love comes from. So you have to, you actually have to, you have to actually, married or not married, are married, you can get married and, and say you love your spouse and you can go through the and you can actually have a love for your spouse. Let's put it that way. You can have a love for your spouse. But you're not going to have the love for your spouse if you have not received it first. And and this is where the rub comes. And and I know Wednesday night people are usually the, the core people that the, but but it doesn't matter. There's a lot I've ran into a lot of church people who know a lot about Jesus. But they don't know Jesus, okay? They, they, it's, like, it's, like the, it's like the choice and commitment action. Remember when we talked last week about whenever you get to know your spouse, you know a lot about your spouse, but you don't really know who they are because you've got things backwards. You started the physical before you, before you did the mental because there was an action involved here. I think there's a lot of people that go to church that are so busy in church doing church stuff. They got. They actually got the physical side of church, a, a physical side of Christianity, ahead of the heart side of Christianity. You know, and if you if you've got that backwards, you're going to have a hard time expressing love to your spouse because you really don't have it to give them. So, it's you're only going to get this if you accept Jesus, okay? Because that's where you actually can learn or not learn, that's where you can actually get what you need to start loving unconditionally. Now here's going to be something that you're going to uh, start the car, Sheila, because we're going to be in trouble now. How you treat your mate is very often a reflection of your true Christianity. Mm, think about that. How you treat them is a reflect because you say, okay, I love my spouse, you know, but it's not showing up at home. Where did my notes go? Hmm. I got some scripts in here for that. There they are. I think it was in John. It says, how, how can you say... That you love Jesus, but you hate your brother. 
Or I can, I can actually change that out. For, how do you say that you love Jesus, but you, you hate your spouse? Those, those two don't reconcile. It says, if you know the love of Jesus, go to Philippians 2, 1, 4. If you know the love of Jesus, are you showing that same love to your spouse? And what love is that? Philippians 2, 4 says, if you have received any encouragement from being united to Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any fellowship with the Spirit, if you have any tender, tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like mine, having the same love. Go back through that. These are things that you should be showing your spouse. Encouragement, comfort, fellowship, tenderness, compassion. That is the love of Christ. Are you showing that on a regular basis to the point that they actually hear, hear it coming through loud and clear that that is your love? Because if you're not and you're claiming Christianity, you better back up and see what's what's what, you know, because you don't blow smoke to yourself. When it comes to your mate, do you do what's best for them and their needs, or are you more concerned with yourself and what you can get out of the relationship? I think Philippians 2.4 says, each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. I'm pretty sure your spouse falls under the category of others. Okay? So you should look not only to your own interest, but you should be looking to the interest of your spouse. Love always, love always puts the other first, takes a back seat. I think in, in second, 1 Corinthians 13, love isn't always me first. That's one of them. When it comes to marriage, the focus has to shift from ourselves and what we need and move to a mate and what they need from us. Now, I've got some bullets. You've got them on your paper here. Do you withhold love from your spouse because you're waiting for them to move towards you? Like I said, we talk to a lot of couples, and, and if you talk to them one-on-one, well, as soon as they start doing this, then, by guys, then I'll kick in. Okay, well, if you'd waited on Jesus to do that. I mean, really? Well, you know, as, as soon as Jesus comes, you know, I mean, if, if Jesus had actually done to you, as soon as they start doing their thing, then I'll go ahead and save them. That's not what Jesus did. It wasn't there. He came to you first. And you're supposed to be loving like Christ, especially your spouse. How often do you study what God has to say about marriage? I mean, the Bible's full of a lot of marriage stuff. How, how often have you actually said, okay, let's, let's do a Bible study on marriage? I'll be honest with you. However many years ago that was, Sheila, Sheila was to the point she was done with me. And she had made up her mind that as soon as the kids were out of, out of school, she was going to get a better job and she was going to leave. I didn't know that, but that's what, that was what her plan was. I know that, you know, she told me later. And so that was her plan. And I, all I knew was something was wrong. I didn't know exactly what. And I said, okay, Lord, you're going to have to help me with this because I don't know what to do. I didn't, I didn't learn marriage from my parents. And I've got a pretty messed up view of things. And he said, well, let's start studying what it is to be. You need to go to the Bible and find out what it means to be a husband and a father. Because i got a lot of stuff in there, Nathan. You need to start reading. And I actually started digging into the Word on what it means to be a husband and a father. And I was blown away at how bad I'd messed this up. And the problem that I was facing was... I had messed it up so bad that even when I was like Caleb, whenever I started doing it right, she wasn't having any part of it because she'd heard the wind blow before, right? And so, okay, well, this will last all of about three weeks. And she had, she had closed off so much that she didn't even recognize any changes because she, she wasn't looking for any. She, wasn't, she, she built her wall and she was done. But why really, I know that what brought us back together wasn't anything that I did, but it was what God showed me to keep doing. And let me tell you what, it was a long, it was about four or five years there that I was loving her in such a way that she was not responding to it. You know, and then finally, finally, he opened her eyes. I mean, it was like, good night. 
how long can I be supposed to do this? He said, well, you know what? You've kind of hosed her for the last 17 years. <laughs> you know? How often do you pray for your spouse? I mean, really, it's something to think about. When you struggle to love your spouse, do you pray for God's guidance, strength, and encouragement? Do you pray, or do you pray, Lord, please just change him or her? I, I remember the prayer that I had one time was, Lord, I, this is not working. You're either going to have to change her, change me, or change something, you know? When you struggle in your marriage, are you asking God to show you areas where you need to change? Because remember last week I said marriage, finding the right person, less about finding the right person, more about being the right person. What do you need to change? Because you have no power to change your spouse. None, nada. The only, the only person in this equation that you can actually have real and effective change and see it happening before your eyes is you, okay? And if you say, well, I'll start changing as soon as they start changing, you're going to have a long wait. So... Between now and next week, I'm, I'm going to challenge you. If you're married, I don't care if, I don't care if you've, you, well, you, I don't want to open up a can of worms. And you don't either. But uh, go home. Go home and ask your spouse. Say, hey, is, is there any, guys, look her in the eye and say, do you routinely feel, you know, are you feeling like you're unloved from me? Because of, am I doing something that just, every time I do it, you just, you have a voice in your head that says, man, he does not love me. Because you do not want to load the gun for Satan. You don't want to do that. Ladies, ladies, ladies. Ask him. Ask him, is, are there things that I do? Is there, are there things that I say that, that you find really disrespectful? You know, when we're, when we're out. I, we, had a, we had some people over our house one time. This is just an example. But we had just built, and, and they were wanting to see the house. And, and, and as we're walking out, up out of the house, out of the basement, she looks around. She says, looks at her husband and says, man, you need to get another job. Okay, now what does that make a guy feel like whenever he's trying, he's trying to do his best and he just got told it's not good enough? You know, your words are powerful. We do hang on to those. We got a little box inside our head, and we take all those cards, and we file them away, and we keep them. So, time's up. I just want to encourage you. Go home and, and have a conversation with each other. Talk to each other and say, okay, is, is, are, are we actually doing what we need to be doing to make this marriage work? You know, is it, what can we do that we need to be doing better?